How's everybody good? Good morning. It's hot. It's frigging hot today, man. It is so hot. It is hot. Tarzan cannot handle this kind of hot. Right? So we're going to try to go fast. <laughs> I'm wearing this shirt this morning. We'll see if there's any shock value online. I, the last time, I, I haven't been to Disneyland in years because it just infuriates me what Disney is doing to the stuff. Now, not all Disney workers are as gross and pedophilia that Disney has become, but their upper management certainly is. But I wore this shirt through Disneyland in California, and you should have seen the people freaking out, walking through, Jesus loves me and my guns, man. I was like boycotted at Disneyland. They didn't know what to do with it. I was just cracking up the whole time. It's like, sheesh. They're all, Jesus doesn't love guns. He doesn't like guns. And I said, how can Jesus not love guns? Like, he made the guns. He did not make guns. Man made guns. I said, no man can make guns. Jesus, I'm just, you guys, you guys got it. It's the humor. It's like shock factor in him. If, so the kids go over. We are going to hit some stuff today. Some more controversial. I want you guys to think a little bit. I want you to get out of your box. I want you to really go deep with the Holy Spirit and understand that sometimes the, sometimes the way English is translated, we can take it and it can be moved. For instance, let me say this, because I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you guys in the last few weeks of different meanings and translation culturally. So in the English language, we have one meaning for the word love. I love tacos, I love guns, I love my wife, I love this movie, I love, it's one word, one word. Tracking? So we have to disseminate what it really means, right? Like, you all know that I love my wife like agape love, which in the Greek is agape. It's the way God loves us, it's agape, right? Or it's the way God loves us. I try to love her that way, all right? In the Hebrew, there's a word for love that is sensual, which how I love Lisa, sensual. Also in the Greek, there's phileo, which is the word for brotherly love. I phileo you. So if I was talking to a brother, talking to Franz, I would say, Franz, I phileo you. In English, I'd say, hey, I love you, brother. And he gets it. We have to decipher between that. But if, we were in, if I was speaking in another language, there's a specific word for love. So I would say, I phileo you, I eros you, I agape you. In the English language, we just have to decipher through stuff. So today we're going to look at a few things, and we're going to go through, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. This is not a revolt. I'm not starting a revolution. It's not treason, right? It's not tyranny. I'll tell you, as a church, we better start opening our eyes to what's happening to us and understanding how God directs us to deal with issues. Because it's specifically clear in his word. In 2020, something was interjected and we saw something in our world that we've never seen before in the history of mankind. 
It's called compliance. It was a global, this is not a conspiracy theory. In 2020 and 21, they, everyone said, it's conspiracy, it's conspiracy. In 2023, all of that conspiracy theory has been debunked and it's been proven that this is what they did. No one denies it anymore. The mask thing, that whole, from day one, I would tell people the masks don't work, masks don't work, this is foolish. Masks don't work. If you've done any kind of medical training, if you've been in any kind of hospital, I'll tell you straight up, man, if you look at the people in the Wuhan lab where, this, where COVID came from, what were they wearing? Masks? They were wearing complete Tyvek and mop suits. Just, they, were, they were encapsulated with oxygen pumped into them where nothing foreign could get to them. Yet they come to you and I and say, put this mask on. Masks are ineffective. The studies that we've done on it show that they maybe at best were three to 5% effective in close contact. But what did all the governments do globally? Mask. And you know what we did? We complied. If you don't wear a mask, you can't go shopping. Do you know that that's against every code and moral thing of any kind of... You, there's no legal, legal thing for them to be able to do that. How can They cannot deny you, no government, well, North Korea, China, but they cannot deny you food. But they told you you can't go into bank and get access to money. You can't, and they were waiting to see what would happen to you and I. Would we comply? And we did. As a matter of fact, it divided the church. There was so much compliance to it that I was labeled a hater. You hate people. How can you be a pastor and you say that masks don't work? You hate people. I'm like, what? I actually love people more than you do, you compliant sucker. Because you're leading people. You're knowingly going to the slaughter. We're trying to whistle and say, hey, go come this way. It's like what we do as believers already. The world is saying, live your life this way to get what you want, get what you want, get what you want. And we're saying, as believers know, there's a better way. You don't have to live in shame and guilt. You don't have to be in this utter pursuit of wealth. You can receive wealth and be joyful of it and give it to other people. It doesn't have to control you. It, it's this compliant thing. And it, we've never seen it before in the history of mankind. Some people will say, well, no, that's not true. I don't know if that's true. What about during the 15th century and that? No, that was, that was total tyrannical rule. That was what monarchy was with the serfs. This compliance is different. If I have someone rule over me with iron fists and execute me because I don't do what they want, it's tyrannical rule. Compliance is... Wear the mask. Okay. There's no medical proof that it works. Okay. But wear it anyways. Okay. Make your kids. In America, it was grotesque, especially the state of California. It was the most asinine thing I've ever seen. You put your kid outside in the heat of the day. They had to take their mask down, take a bite of their sandwich, put their mask back on to chew, and they had to sit in the sun or in the cold. That's child abuse. 
and parents were okay with it. Let me tell you this. You could not go into certain places, run around outside without a mask on, but you could get on a plane. Think about that for a second. The reason why I'm talking about this is because it's ushered in something that they have begun to do to us now on a regular basis, and we're becoming compliant to it. And the church, we as followers of Jesus, had better wake up to it and start being a voice. And I'm going to talk about it today with government and Peter, but I want you to watch a couple videos here. This is how it's starting to happen. And when you hear people like this right now, there's two videos, let me say. One is a woman, and I'm going I'm to address this today, and she's talking about something. The second is something from the 70s that took place in a comedy movie in the 70s. Okay? As a matter of fact, Erickson, play the older one first. Play the, the, the one now, the, the second one I sent you. Guys, go ahead and watch this. Turn it up really loud. I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to gestate? You're going to keep it in a box? Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. Symbolic of his struggle against reality. 1970s. 1970s, that was already starting to, and you, they were mocking it back then, but it was being introduced. This is not a new idea. Did you hear what they were saying? But what if we fight for, oh, he has the right to have a baby. You freaking, if you're a dude, have no right whatsoever to have a baby. You can't have a baby. It's stupidity to argue the fact that you can have a baby. It's just dumb. Well, we should, we should fight for, you know what, it's, it's his choice. Well, you can do whatever you want to do, but just stupid choice because you can't have a baby. Why waste time and money on that? But boy, are we starting to get, I start talking about this, man, people online, people watching, if it goes up, oh, yo. Play the next video. This is today. And watch how confusing this is. And ladies, But we can't define what a woman you. is, but also men can be women. And no uterus, no opinion, but also men can get pregnant. Men are oppressing us, but also it's okay if biological men take over our spaces and our sports. Women are so over-sexualized in this culture, but it's empowering if women are the ones sexualizing themselves. Are you guys quite done yet? Like, are you okay? Play that one more time. Listen to Women's one. rights, but we can't define what a woman is, but also men can be women. And no uterus, no opinion, but also men can get pregnant. Men are oppressing us, 
but also it's okay if biological men take over our spaces and our sports. Women are so over-sexualized in this culture, but it's empowering if women are the ones sexualizing themselves. Are you guys quite done yet? Like, are you okay? This is normal today. And if I speak out against this in today's society, I'm branded a racist. I saw another one today. Did you know that mathematics is racist? Yeah, it's systematic racism. That two plus two is not four. Two plus two is created by a white dude to systematically be racist against anyone other than white. Because what if a black person wants two plus two to be three? So therefore, it's racism. So in mathematical classes today, they are teaching how to be gender-related, how to find, it's crazy. If you think I'm lying to you, look it up. It's coming to Belize. It's coming here. I'm not saying this to be fear-factored. I'm saying this as reality to be prepared for it. Where do you stand with your Lord? Do you compromise? Look, I love those who make stupid choices. Right? Like a dude that says, I want to have a baby. I love him. But I'm also out of love going to tell him you're an idiot. You can't have a baby. It's biologically impossible. But if you think you can, have fun. Let me get you an egg. We could dress up the egg. You can carry it around like I had to when I was in school and pretend to be a parent. I broke my egg about four or five times in health class. <laughs> I was not a good mom. I'm a dude. Oh, shoot. We're playing tackle basketball. I had my egg in my pocket. Oh, man, killed my egg. That's my baby. It's, indoctrination started a long time ago. I drew guns all over my egg. I got in trouble. You have to get a new baby. So I have to trash this baby? My egg, I have to trash my baby because I put guns on it? Yes, you need to euthanize it. We joke about it, but this is reality now. And it's happening to us. So here's my point. I can love people in the LGBTQ community, but I will not tolerate that lifestyle nor that behavior. I propose something to you. Have you noticed that the new LGBTQA something plus? Do you know what the plus is? Do you know what the plus is? Here's what I believe. I was listening to several commentators about it. And the plus is this, because this is a movement that's beginning to happen. I believe the plus is justifying pedophilia, because there's already a movement that is saying that it's okay for a grown person to be sexually attracted to a two-year-old. And they're writing laws like the state of California to protect them. <laughs> you come after my granddaughter or any one of these kids in here with that stupidness, you leave in a body bag. We are becoming society in a world that we don't even protect our own. All we do is think about the pleasures of ourselves. This comes up with this weird topic right now in Peter. And I want to challenge your thinking. I want to challenge you. In Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 13, it says, For the Lord's sake, 
the Lord. It says this, Respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials as he appointed for the king who sent them to punish those who do wrong, to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. I want to unpack this for a moment. This is what's going to challenge us a little bit here. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. Whether the king as the head of state or officials he has appointed for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Listen, who we are, what we do, how we live our lives is a mirror of what we worship. So how I live out in society is basically a mirror to the world. If you're looking at yourself in this mirror, is actually who it tells the world who you worship. Who you, who you are inside, how you worship yourself. How you work either yourself, if you worship Jesus, if you're a follower, your job, identity. It really is, it, dic, it dictates this, all right, and depicts who you are. <clears throat> There's something here, let, let me say this real quick. We need to jump forward so I can go back to this. This is where it gets tricky. So in 2020, we begin to have pastors begin to tell people they're bad for challenging the, church, the government. That if you're a good follower of Jesus, you'll never challenge the government because God put them in the place and so therefore, as a good Christian, you should respect them and follow them. And if the Bible says so, and these guys will do it. Yet on the other side, there was pastors like MacArthur and other pastors who took a step back and they said no, like us here. We said no. All the other churches closing down. We never closed down one time here at Boneville. Not one time. I will not. Do I still respect them? Absolutely. But for, we need to unpack this for a second. At the very end of this, he says, fear God and respect the king. For us to understand what I'm about to say, we have to understand this. The word respect can also, in the English language, can also be concern. Like, in respect of this situation. Now, I also understand that God puts people into positions of authority. He puts pastors in positions of authority, elected officials into positions of authority. But he puts them there, and do they answer to you and I? No. Who do they answer to? God. Can they choose to do evil? Yes. We see pastors do it, and we see politicians do it. Can I respect the position they have? Yes. Can I respect them as a human being? Yes. Do I have to follow their evil desires? No. You tracking here? So this word respect, it says, <clears throat> when you go back, it likes this, for fear God, God is all powerful, he's all good, and he's worthy of praise. Respect the king, if I'm versing it together, is I have a concern, 
all right? I respect the position that he has, but what is his approach to life? I believe we can abort babies. Seriously? Do you? That's unbiblical. That pastor in Atlanta that says it's not, this guy, it's one of the fastest growing churches. He's gay. It's one of the fastest growing churches in America. And he says that it's the person's right and you are not a follower of Jesus if you speak out against abortion. Huh, interesting. One of the fastest growing churches in America. Do people make decisions and choices? Absolutely. Can they be forgiven? Absolutely. Can they be restored? Absolutely. But a continual life like this is horrific. So I have concern. I watch what people do. I have respect for them. You see, it's like that word love that I opened up with, right? I'm looking at this from multiple meanings here. So I have respect for them, but I'm also concerned with what they do. I hold them in regard, right? Because I hold the person in leadership, a president, a prime minister, a minister of defense, a mayor. I hold them in regard because God put them in that position. But I'm also very concerned in that same respect of what, if it, what is his actions. If that mayor or that leader is raping children, you see what I'm saying? Is God okay with that? Absolutely not. What if the government comes out and says, you must kill your firstborn child? What do you do? Hey, what do you do? If, if, you, if you take the teaching that we heard in 2020 from a lot of pastors, you would be living in sin if you didn't kill your firstborn child because the government said to do it. Yet, I think there was a couple edicts in Scripture that we see about evil. Um, well, let's just, what about Moses? What about Moses? What about Jesus? Was Jesus a sinner? Was Mary and Joseph sinners when Herod said, kill every child under two years of age? And they fled to another, you see what I'm saying? It's important for us to understand really what Scripture's saying and that the teaching is whole so that we have an understanding that we can get it. So I'm unpacking this a little bit. I hold them in respect. I hold them in regard from who God has put them in. But I also am concerned with how they think and what they do. Now let's go back. Now this starts to make sense. So we went forward to come back, and it says this. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. That makes sense, right? So I put someone in position of authority to come down, and if someone is abusing somebody else, if someone is doing these atrocities against mankind, then I put them in place. It's their choice to then correct the wrong. But notice the very next sentence. It's amazing that pastors just overlook this. The very next, next sentence says, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. This whole passage is talking about leaders. Yes, it's going into this whole how we treat public figures, 
and our neighbors and such, but I want you to grasp that for a second. He's not jumping subjects. Peter's not an idiot here in his writing. He's talking that saying what? That there will be a time like it was in his time because the church was being persecuted. That's why Peter is writing this letter. They're, they're at the beginning, initial stages of persecution. Who got persecuted most during COVID? The church. The church. And what did he say here? It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So if there's a corrupt leader that says it's okay for you to abort a child, that's going to be your decision, your choice. But our concern with that position or that thought that that person has doesn't justify me getting an abortion or having Lisa have an abortion. It doesn't justify it. Because God, who created that child in the mother's womb, Psalm 139 is definitely, definitely, it's all in. What does it say? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created, hand-created by the Father in your mother's womb. He knew you intimately there. Which means that you as a created being, all of us in this room, we're not, cre yes, God used male and female, but it was by God's design in his hand that gave you, you. So there's no man that can justify and nothing in the Bible where God would kill himself outside of the one time and he didn't kill himself. He sacrificed himself for the forgiveness of everyone's sin. You guys tracking what I'm saying here? We're being inundated now with stuff that you have to be okay with. It's not okay. Well, they say, you know, you have to, you can't speak like that anymore. You're, uh, you have to be inclusive. I mean, you can't be inclusive, right? You, you, listen, this is how it is. Chaplain, Pastor John, you got to do it this way. No, I'll love people, but I will not condone what they do. Okay. How do I know that this is evil? Now, look what, G, what the author is saying here. It is God's honorable life that you will live your honorable lives to silence those ignorant people who make fool, foolish accusations against you. How do we know that these accusations, these foolish accusations are against you? How do we know that it's coming from an evil state? Now, we're not talking about stuff like, I don't believe in the law. I think the speed limit should be 55, not 45. No, that is dumb, and you are wrong. I don't believe I should have to wear a seatbelt. It's my right. Oh, shut up. That has nothing to do with this. We're talking about the principles of God here. All right? Taxes. <laughs> shut up and pay your taxes. I don't like it just like you, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about moral issues here. Moral issues. How do I know... That this, like Nero at this time, remember, Nero's in power during this letter. Nero is worse than Hitler. If you know history, Nero would take Christian babies, stick them on poles, dip them in tar, and light them on fire, and throw lavish parties in the courtyards of Rome. Right? He was evil to a core. Peter's saying, hey, let your lives live it out in such a way, those ignorant people. But how do we know that what he's talking about is evil? Look at 2 
1 John chapter 2. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 that we have, basically the verbiage for it is an attorney. Who's our advocate or attorney? His name is Jesus Christ. Why? Because in the courts of what we can't live in, we have an accuser. Who is the accuser? Satan. Satan is the accuser. He is constantly bringing you before God, you before God, you before God, you before God. Every one of us in the room, he is constantly bringing before God and saying, they are undeserving, undeserving. They're sinners. They're horrible. God, your wrath should be upon them. But we have an advocate or an attorney. Who is the attorney? The one who shed his blood, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he says, strick it off. There's no accusation that can be formed against them. Why can there not be? An... Because, Papa, because Yahweh, I paid the price. And your promises are good. And truth is true. In the same verbiage here, the, these foolish accusations against you. It's what Satan does to men who turn their eyes from God. They become fools. Fools. You want to be a fool? Turn your eyes from God. Doesn't matter how good it looks. Quit doing what is right. Quit being the truth. Have you, have you seen this? I'm, I'm watching these arguments from... All these people who go, well, God says to love everybody and love him. And my God says that me as a transgender, which is such a farce, transgenderism. Like, what is that? That's not even, like, go all the way or don't go all the way at all. Like, just, what the, what, I mean, geez, cut it off or don't. Just be one of the, <laughs> it's just so dumb that we're caught up in this foolishness. But I listen to them and they talk about this loving God and God's okay with it and this. And I have to say this, but which God are you talking about? Because what's your God's name? Because my God's name is Yahweh. He is the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is a triumphant warrior who rides in on the last day on a white horse. He is the God, his name Yahweh, the Lord is a warrior, Yahweh is his name. He is the one who sent his son, who died upon the cross and on the third day rose again so that I could be forgiven and he gave his name Yahweh to his son. Yahweh is my king and my Lord. That's the God that I serve. And the God that I serve says, yes, I should love you, but your life and the way you live is not leading unto heaven, but leading to a place of destruction and eternal torment. And I'm here to tell you the truth, and the truth will set you free, that Jesus Christ loves you and will forgive you of your sin if you turn to him and confess those sins. That is the God I serve, and his name is Yahweh. They, their God has no name. How about this? We, they, them. How about all that stuff that's being ushered in here that the governments are forcing? The Bible always calls you he or she. Son or daughter, husband, or wife. But in reference to demons, what does the Bible use? We, they, them. You got to look close at the verbiage because Saul, 
It was Solomon who wrote this, right? He wrote this in Ecclesiastes. There is nothing new under the sun. These same ideas Satan has been putting in and in and in. And it's just being retractioned again. But I fear that in a lot of cases, we as the body have turned our eyes from being followers and looking to Jesus to becoming wanting to be safe and secure and be a part of a religion that is untouchable. There is no religion untouchable if we've learned anything from history. For God's chosen people, the Jews, are the most persecuted race of people in the history of mankind. Make no mistake about it. I know that there's a big, I'd be in a big roar, man. I realize it. The black people, let's just call it what it is. Black people will say, no, they're the most persecuted. Not so. The Jews have been the most persecuted people in the history of mankind. And I hate, you know, for some people to think Jews are all pasty white people. They're not. And we are adopted into the family of Christ, and we expect that we will not be persecuted in any way. No, we will be persecuted, and we will be pursued because we serve Jesus. And Jesus is the hottest topic on the face of the earth for all of, inter- all of eternity. I want to encourage you to be bold to talk, talk about the topic of Jesus in every conversation because it's the hottest topic there is. I encourage you to talk about Jesus. Be bold, it may cost you. Peter is saying, it's going to cost you here. But don't fall victim to this. You know, we knew it here. I'm not asking you to do what I wouldn't do. I knew specifically that they would, if they were to do something that I specifically could be fined $5,000 every time they showed up here if we didn't do it exactly right. Did you know that? That they could arrest me. But we specifically said, I refuse to obey an evil law. It's time, you guys, it's time that we're aware of this so that we can stand up and be a voice of good. Now, again, I'm not telling you to pick up, take up arms and start a revolution. Not in that point. What I'm saying is you need to take up your voice and begin to proclaim Jesus for who he is. I believe if there's a big outcry of that, we will alter those in politics. But as long as we continue to just let them have their way, they'll keep doing what they're doing so they get the almighty dollar from the United Nations, the almighty dollar from America here in Belize. It's we the people that must stand up and be a voice in this country so that we're not a prostitute to the world. As a Belizean, I am not a prostitute. As a Belizean... I am not a subject, I am a citizen. But I will tell you, my loyalties fall first to not a government or a system on this earth, but my loyalties fall to the kingdom of heaven. But while I'm on this earth and where my feet land, I will fight for what is good. That's what I'm challenging you to do, to be that voice, to raise up the next generation protected so that they can be that reasonable voice there's so many things that we could go across and go it's just crazy guys but i wanted you to open your eyes to that when it talks about government 
Because it has split churches down the middle. Either obey, oh, no, they're all, no, no, no. As we move on, respect them for the position God put them in, but in the have respect for what they're saying in the sense of it could alter you and cause you to live a life of sin. Because watch what happens here. He says, free, you are free of God's slaves. Don't use your freedom to exercise, do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers. And then he goes on and he says this. <clears throat> um, I'll come back to that. So now he's concerning slaves here. And he says, you who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. This word respect falls in the same way, but it also falls under the respect of there as a person of position over you. Now you've got to understand that slavery is not a new idea. That mankind has been enslaving each other since the existence of mankind. There were slaves who built the pyramids. And I'm going to tell you, they weren't, it wasn't white people selling black people to build the pyramids. It was black people selling black people to build the pyramids. Don't fall into the lies of a certain small group that's collecting lots of money to create division. It doesn't matter the color of anyone's skin. If the heart is evil, the color of that person's skin will inflict pain on anyone regardless. We should have eyes that see the beauty of people's skin color. But our hearts should also recognize and love and accept and rejoice without judging because of skin color. But in this situation, you have to also understand that in the culture of that day, if I came from nothing... I could willfully become a bond slave. I could actually go to a person and say, you're a wealthy man. If I, I will be a slave to you for the rest of my life if you make sure I have a house to live in and food on the table. And that's, that man would say, okay, and he became a slave owner. But what did he do? He actually is more like an adoptive parent. The rules are he is to treat that person with respect and love. Are there bad people? Absolutely. There are bad people in this world. But in this situation, a lot of people back in the day became slaves so that they could have a living. Because of where they came from, there was no land for them to have. And they could not provide for themselves. So Peter's talking to them. He says, do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. You see what I'm saying? If I go out and do something stupid and the government or the owners that oversee me, right? God doesn't look at me and go, oh, look, he's a Christian. He got beat for being bad. That's not what it's saying here. But if I do what God tells me to do, if I reject a law, right? If I say, I will not tell the church that abortion is okay. Well, we're going to put you in jail. Say it. I will not say it. You're going to jail. God will honor me for that. He'll honor me for their stupidness. And I'm going to tell you, I would not want to be one of them because there will be no good sleeping nights. 
God has a way, the hound of heaven has a way. For God called you to do good. You've heard me say this over and over. If you've been here long enough, in 20 years, you'll hear me. I don't tell anyone to be good, ever. It's not biblical. To be good is hypocritical. I'm teaching you to be a, hip, a hypocrite. You can't be good. Be good. Be good. I tell my kids, do good. Do good. Be careful out there and do good. Why? Because being good, I can be good in your face and not good outside of your face. But doing good is an action. Do good, like God says, do good as I do good. It's an action. We are the hands and feet that go out and do good. So look what he says. For God called you to do good, not be good. Be good is selfish. You're only being something to receive something that you want for a moment. Doing good is the right thing to do even when it's horrible for you to do it. Uh, hey, my kids have been a part of this. We're trying to get somewhere. They're all hungry. I'll pass somebody on the road. The Holy Ghost will say, you need to stop. I'll, I'll have an argument with God. I will argue with God for about 15 minutes, and then I will pull my butt over on the side of the road and turn around and drive 15 minutes back and go help that person. Why? Because God said to do good even if it's uncomfortable. Being good is like, hey, brother, I see you there. Boom. Praying for you. Be happy. He is our example, and you must follow his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not... Uh, retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly his, he personally carried out carried our sins in his body on the cross so we can be dead to sin and live for what is right notice that live action do for what is right by his wounds you are healed once you were like sheep who have wandered away but now you have turned your um, turned to your shepherd the guardian of your souls Guys, there seems to be a contradiction here. God is not a pacifist. And sometimes we read something like this and we think that God's a pacifist. He is far from a pacifist. In Isaiah, something that got us to, to fight for people who have been trafficked is this. It says, fight for the rights of orphans. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, that word fight for those orphans, fight for the widows and orphans, but specifically for the orphans, Orphans, that word fight is in the Hebrew is where they get the Latin word for pugilism. And it means pugilism is the English word for boxing, which means to be bloodied for. Where God actually tells me to be bloodied for orphans. To fight for them. So we're not at all to be pacifists, but it's a condition of our heart. What he's saying is that we live out what's right, and there are times that, hey, I'm just going to take it, and it's no big deal. But there's also times like David's mighty men that you'll have to fight and be bloodied for the protection of those. It's okay to defend your family. We've also been bought up into this lie. How many of you believe that it says this, thou shalt not kill in the Ten Commandments? Anyone believe that? It's a lie. It doesn't say thou shalt not kill. It says, thou not, shall not commit murder. Murder 
is a hateful act with the intent of the heart. Killing is justified in the defense of innocent people. But how many pastors tell you, thou shalt not kill? I've had pastors come to me, how dare you be a chaplain, and you are chaplain to soldiers, and they kill people. I go, yeah, amen. They do. Praise God that they kill evil people that are trying to come in and rape your family. Praise Jesus. Woo! My gosh, learn the word before you preach it. There's a difference between murder and killing. Jesus even distinguished it. What did he say? And it's a line, dude. It's not a blurry line, but what did he say? If you hate in your heart, what have you already done? Committed murder. So it's a heart condition for all mankind. So I have to look deep within my heart. If I hate you and I justify self-defense because I hate you, the public, the government may let me off, right? But who is not going to let me off? God, because he knows the heart. The word is so beautiful because it's clear. There is no gray areas. But we've been bought in to become these pacifists, to become, like, let's just do, just comply to everything we tell you. Let me tell you how it's come in the church today. Two years ago, that gentleman, a pastor in the States, looked at his wife and said, oh, this is no joke. You can look it up. You can Google it. He looked at his wife. She's getting old and had some kids of his, so her body's kind of wore out a little bit because, you know, she had kids. So he decided that he needed a younger, sexier wife, so he divorced her, and then he mandated that the people in his church help him find a new wife between the ages of 24 and 28. And he's like in his 50s. And you know what they did? They found him a wife. <laughs> they complied to what? Unbiblical untruths. Why? Because they just would rather be told what to do and not be responsible. But what we don't understand is that you're already responsible for your actions. I'm here to tell you it is always all about Jesus and there is always a clear, definite line. We just don't like the line. There are times I don't like the line. I don't like the clear, definite line, guys. There are times that I just go, oh, man. I don't like this Jesus. And he's like, ah, praise the Lord. You don't have to like it. And guess what? Here's what he says to me, just like he says to you. It's your choice. Next time you try to control another human being, ask God or look at your own life and figure out when God has ever taken away your right to choose. He hasn't, has he? People make that stupid button floats by and people can push it or not push it. It's their choice. And God says to me often, it's your choice. Son, it's your choice. God, take my choices away. Then I couldn't be your God, and you couldn't be my son. Think about what we're asking here. This, this, this beautiful dilemma of how to respond to our, our bosses, our wives, the government, it's a beautiful dilemma because it comes from a relational standpoint between a father and a son and a daughter. You see, if God takes away my right to choose, I lose my position as a son, 
and become a created being as an angel, so to speak. I can't become an angel, so don't say I'm saying that. But it would be like that to where I no longer have choice, therefore I no longer have position in the family. I'm utterly controlled. And therefore, my love would be impure because it wouldn't be a love that is that I see from a father from the nature of how good he is to me even in the bad. And so my love is genuine towards him. It would be out of love out of my existence, which is a scary love. That is why people allow themselves to be, pro- to be prostituted and while they allow themselves to in trafficking and why they won't turn is because they're trying to stay alive for existence and survival. And God has taken us from that by the shedding of his blood through the giving of Jesus Christ to bring us into this position to where our choice to love is because he first loved me. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so I respond to the world in the way that God responded to me. How do I treat you? Are we going to be perfect? No. Do we make mistakes? Yes. But it's out of the position of family with Jesus Christ that I can be forgiven, even in my bad choices. But I have to be aware of what are good choices and what are bad choices and what the world is doing to me. Guys, I want to hit this really quick. Um, Wives in the same way. We're going to hit some wives here. You guys ready for this? Chicks typically don't like this. Uh-oh. I can see the looks come. People are moving their Bibles around right now. All the ladies are moving their Bibles around. They're looking at it now. They're getting close. Here we go. You guys ready? Are you ready to get throat punched today? All right, I'm going to throat punch you ladies today. You ready to get throat punched? Here we go. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even, in, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent life. Now, all right, so listen, chicks. Right? <laughs> Respect the authority of your husband. My husband's man, you just got throat punched and didn't know it. Why? Because even if they refuse the good news that you chicks bring, do you see what he's saying here? That ladies sometimes bring the good news that us dorky husbands can't see. And we're like, just respect the husband. He's an idiot. But he loves you. And he'll die for you. And he works hard for you. And he carries the weight that you cannot handle. I'm telling you this right now, and those of you who are raising children, mothers, alone, understand this just like I watch my mom do it, and the tears at night, because she's carrying a weight that she cannot carry, trying to raise children alone. You are not equipped for it. You got to stay in the fight. 
there's this point, watch this. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the unfailing beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now look, if the house needs painting, paint it. You know what I mean? If you need makeup, put the makeup on. I don't freaking care. If you want to wear makeup, you feel good about yourself, put makeup on. You want to lose weight, lose weight. I, it, to me, that stuff is like, yeah, but don't be influenced by the world to make you into the woman that you think is godly. That's what he's saying. Quick story. I was at a big golf tournament. I told Lisa this. It's crazy. This woman shows up at this golf tournament. She's probably one of the prettiest women on the face of the earth. Like, no joke, man. She comes up. There's a golf tournament. There's 200 dudes there. She's like the only chick. She comes rolling in. She has it all. Beauty, her body. Every guy there is like, huh? Oh, my God. It is like, what is she doing here? So our foursome is heading this way. Her foursome is heading this way. So we're crossing paths the whole time. And we're all making comments. Everyone's like, like, if you're single here and you're a guy, you should try to do everything you can to go talk to that woman. Like, that's what we're telling all the younger dudes. Like, you should go, like. Well, our fairways joined together. And so our foursome hits and their foursome hits. And now there's eight balls scattered almost in the same area, opposite direction. And our guys, we get out. And we hit some balls, and she rolls up. And this lady went from a 10 to a 2 or a 1 the moment she opened her mouth. The words that came out of her, because one of our guys hit her ball. Her inward ugly destroyed her outward beauty. And I thought about this passage as she was talking. I was like, oh, I didn't even get out of the cart. I just sat there looking at her going, Lord, this is what you're talking about. A woman can adorn herself. She can be the most beautiful thing until she opens her mouth. And when she opens her mouth, out comes the ugly. Dear Lord, on the same respect, I've met women who may not be that beautiful on the outside, but when they speak, they hold a room, and when the inside of who they are is beautiful. It's so beautiful, it captivates an audience. Ladies, throat punch, be that woman. Now, it doesn't mean you just let yourself go. That's dumb, especially if you're married. That is dumb. I'm giving you advice. It's dumb. Well, you should just love me the way I am. Shut up. That's being selfish. Guys, same thing. Take care of yourselves. You're honoring each other. You're respecting each other. But focus on your inward beauty. And guys, you've got to cultivate it. You've got to cultivate that beauty for her. You've got to cultivate it. Encourage her to be doing stuff with the Lord all the time. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Do you accept the authority of your husbands or do you challenge it at every turn? Because if you challenge your husband's authority at every turn, it tells me that you really don't trust God. Because there are times 
in our, in our house that Lisa's wanting to do one thing, and it's creating some turmoil, but God's telling me to do something else, and we are at odds with it. And I'll finally just look at her and go, do you trust me? And she'll say, well, and I'll go, is if you don't trust me here, you don't trust God. Because I'm hearing from the Lord too. And I'm hearing everything that you say, but I'm also hearing everything he says. And I can tell you 100% of the time, when I'm listening to God, she will come back to me either a week later or a year later and say, thank you. Thank you. Guys, I know it's hard. Ladies, sometimes we don't want to hear We live in a world where you don't want to hear that. But it's the truth. Now watch this. I throw this at Lisa. I shared it with you last week. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. Come on, Lisa. Call me Lord. <laughs> you are her, listen to this. You are her daughters. Here is a, this is a great, how do I say it? This is a, the word, I just brain cramped. This is an honor and something that Peter is bestowing on every woman here. All right, he's bestowing it on you. Listen to what he says. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Do you know what an honor that is? It goes, it's a micro of the macro of what we were just talking about with government in your own life. You are like the beauty of Sarah. Sarah was so beautiful. She was, it's like she had to be the direct descendant. She got all the genes of Eve. She was so beautiful, all the kings wanted her. But she had inward beauty where she could hold the king. Like Esther. She could hold a king. You realize what he's saying here? Peter is saying he's bestowing this on you. He's putting it on you women, but there's, it's like, it's got conditions to it. It's not unconditional. There's conditions. And he says this. He says, you are, you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. You do what is right in your home, what God's calling you to do, not what you want to do because it's better for you and you don't care what your husband says. Uh-uh, you're in the wrong and you're not being the daughter of Sarah. But when you know he's an idiot and you do the right thing and you love him through it, because watch what happens here. It says this, I want to quote, I don't do this often, I'll quote a little commentary here. With a gentle and quiet spirit, God wants you, a woman, to bring insight and value to your husband and to the marriage. Ladies, you have a special spiritual closeness that men don't have. You, you're created in the beauty of God. So you have this special insight that you bring to a marriage. And sometimes for men, it's hard for us to grasp that because we're constantly seeing the physical. Think about it. In a sexually, men are physical. Everything is visual. Right? I romance Lisa not with visual. I romance Lisa intellectually. Baby, you're beautiful. I love that you love God so much. 
I love how you take care of the children. I love how you look. You're the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. You are just amazing to me. Your gifts and talents are outstanding. If she wants to romance me, she just comes in and drops all her clothes off. I just go, yeah, baby, you love me. You love me, love me, love me. I do that to her. She's like, seriously? Seriously? I'm like, yeah, right? She's like, nope. <laughs> Here, do you see what you bring in your close relationship to God? You're a still, small voice like the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit, but you're like that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit to the one who loves you. And he is being bombarded with things that he can't quite understand or control. And there is nothing more frustrating to me when I can't control outward circumstances that I know are affecting my family. I just want to put a bullet in the heads of things. You see what I'm saying? So God is talking. He understands where you're coming from here. You are ordained. Listen to me, ladies. You are ordained to become full partners with your husband. You're not half. Don't let the world and crappy pastors and all these people tell you that it's belittled, it's belittling of you because you're the weaker vessel. You're not the weaker vessel. You're the beautiful vessel, meaning that you can be easier, easierly scarred than a man can. He's tracking that. I've said this before. Have you ever seen a dude with a scar across his face? Sexy. Even other dudes go, yo. I see a dude with a scar, I'm like, yo, cool. Cool scar, baby. Dudes come walking in, war wounds, all bent up, fingers all busted and bent up. We're like, yo, oh, how do you get that? How do you get that? A woman walks in with a scar, and immediately everyone in the room goes, that's not right. That shouldn't have happened. That's, that shouldn't have happened. You guys, am I right or wrong? Chicks, you even like it too. You see dudes with scars, you're like, yeah, baby, warrior. That dude, hey, that dude is not afraid to get down and dirty to protect me, right? What happened to your eye? You got a big old black eye. Lisa popped off to 13 guys. That's what happened, right? Lisa will talk trash to a whole group of dudes. My wife will. I'm like, uh, baby, I'm the only one here. Yeah, but you could take them. <laughs> you hear what she said? I take you. <laughs> Go get in the car, lock the door. <laughs> this is going to hurt. You guys didn't know that about Lisa, did you? You didn't know that. She is like that, man. She will speak her mind. Why? Dudes, we're getting hitting into the husbands here. She'll speak her mind because she knows her husband will die for her. And if she sees somebody doing something stupid, hurting another individual, she'll say, hey, one time she was in a car up in Cayo with two guys that were here in our ministry, and a guy was beating up his girlfriend. My wife looked at two of the young men and said, get your asses out of the car and go stop that right now. And they're like, whoa, whoa. I mean, I don't want to interfere. Lisa jumped out of the car, ran over there, and picked a fight with the dude. 
She got right in between it. And then he's like, he started to raise his hand. She goes, you don't know who my husband is, do you? She goes, my husband's Pastor John. He will kick your arse. He will come here. He will find you and destroy you. Scorched earth, pal. He was like, huh? She comes back and tells me. I'm like, what are you doing? She says, I was doing what the two guys in the car should have did. So do something with them. Teach them how to be you. Like, oh, my gosh. How do I explain this to the donors? What'd you do? Taught kids how to be brawlers. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Do you want to be honored? If you're a man, you want to be honored? Honor her. Don't just expect it. So if you're a dude here, honor her. Your dude at home, honor your wife. Treat your wife with understanding. Here's the deal. Understanding is hard work for you and I. Future husbands, here's why. We don't understand you chicks. You guys are in a world of your own that we only come in and out of. It is hard to understand what you go through. Honestly, I'm not defending us. I'm just giving you some insight here. You guys have way more hormonal stuff happening all the time. We're like, what? I don't know. I don't know. My wife will cry. I will say to her, what did I do? She'll say, nothing. But I'm the only one here. You see, <clears throat> if I'm in the room with Franz and Franz is crying, it's because I punched him. Right, guys? There's because something we did to each other. I'm in there. <sighs> Lisa will start laughing. I'll go, what? What, guys? Listen, ladies, watch this. If your wife starts laughing, don't you first look at yourself and go, what? What? Check for boogers? Like, what? What are you laughing for? Nothing. It's really nothing about you. We're the only ones in the room, me and you. Am I right or wrong? Dudes, I'm telling you. Ladies, you guys are an enigma. Like, it says, so treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Sometimes you got to have patience with us. We're trying to understand, but we don't understand. And one thing that we're not good at all the time, and I'm not making excuses because, guys, we have to get better at it, is communication. We have to be able to talk more. I'm the worst at it. It happened yesterday. I'm just picking on me, all right? It happened yesterday. I'm out trying to hang this fence. I can't get the fence hung, this gate. It's hot as blazes like it is right now, right? I'm sweating. I can't get it hung. My back hurts, my shoulder hurts, I can't get it right, and I start getting pissed. Why? Why am I getting pissed? Because I did not communicate with my wife that I was going to be out there working, but I assumed that she would recognize that I was not in the house with her, and therefore she should have known where I was at and come out and offered her help to me or my son's help to me. Guys, am I tracking right? Am I thinking how we think here? This is how we think. So I'm pissed outside going, 
she should know. She finally goes, hey, are you talking to yourself? She sees me, opens the window, goes, are you talking to yourself? I said, of course, I'm, you're supposed to be out here. She's like, what? So she comes out and she's like, how was I supposed to know? Telepathically? She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. Again, she may be weaker, can't carry what I carry, is not intended to be in the fights that I'm intended to be. It is our job to defend them. It is our job to be Proverbs men. I'm tired of the political correct woke crap. The first 30 chapters of Proverbs is written to a man, to a son. There's wisdom from women in there, but the first 30 chapters is written to a son. Matter of fact, all 31 chapters are written to a son. And the last half, which is Proverbs 31, has been unjustly thrown onto women as points that you should be, and it's not. What it is, is if that you as a man become who you're supposed to be, then you'll create a woman who is the Proverbs 31 woman by how you treat her and the environment that you create. It's not on her at all. It's on you. Point blank. It's fact. So he says here, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. When you find a wife, you have a new life. And it's beautiful. Here's what I want to close with. Treat her as you should. Now here's the scary part for men and future husbands. So your prayers will not be hindered. Dudes, we often forget, because we're the head of the house, that if I disrespect my wife and mistreat her, my prayers aren't easily heard. It's right there. And a lot of times in a home, a lot of times, not all, but a lot of times in the home, things aren't going right because of you. Because of me. Because I'm disrespecting her one way or the other. I'm too busy with the concerns of the world. Not romancing her. Not taking care of her needs. But I'm praying to God that he makes everything okay. And he's saying, how is that supposed to happen? How is it supposed to happen? Because you are not being the groom that I am to you. You don't hear a word she says. So if you're not listening to her, why should I listen to you? That hurts, doesn't it, a little bit for dudes, huh? Now, chicks, I gave you an insight to something. You abuse that, that's on you. No, don't abuse that. Don't abuse your position. But guys, listen to me. Sometimes, sometimes we just got to stop. And we got to go, I'm sorry, Lord. And you go into your wife and you say, I appreciate you. I respect you and I honor you. I do not understand you 90% of the time. But you're beautiful. And tell me, what do you need? I wish they would have had lettuce at the market, but they didn't have the lettuce at the market. And now I'm done. And you're just going, what? 
listen and take it because she's only thinking about you in the first place and she's more concerned that you're going to be disappointed because she recognized we could go into marriage counseling. This fixes a lot of that. I'm going to leave off right here until next week. We covered a lot today, and I hope it challenges the way you think. I want you to continue to grow in your thinking in the Lord. Remember, it's always all about Jesus. Always. Never forget that in our lives. And please, go do good. Just do good because I see it in you. All of you have the capacity to do good. None of you have the capacity to be good. Do good. Go change people's lives. Change the world. and Change the narrative. And don't buy in to complying to what they're force-feeding us. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We love you. You're amazing. Just be with Lisa today, tomorrow. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Out from the jungle. Have a great week, you guys.